All right, let's open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Everybody have a good lunch today? Good, good. Nap. I don't usually get a nap on Sunday, but I I did today, so. And there with my grandsons. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read through the entire chapter here. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. So this is the what's called the Medo-Persian kingdom. I believe it's the, as far as square miles or whatever, it's the largest kingdom in the history of the world. So the Babylonian kingdom was pretty big, but Medo-Persian, I think, stretched basically from what would be Europe now over to India. It's massive. So it had 120 uh, princes to kind of oversee that land. And over these three presents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presence and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any favor or fault found in him. So this is an attempt at manipulation we heard from about Sunday school class with Howard this morning. Some way to get control of people politically. Verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presents and princes assembled together the king, to the king, and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And the presence of the kingdom... The governors, and the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. You think uh, Biden would agree to that? I think he'd, he'd be real happy with that. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, that it be not changed, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. 
Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Well, he, he set him up for that, didn't he? He's just repeating what they've said to him. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. When the king, then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be, all, may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives... And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even until the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, 
and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, we read about a lion's den and probably makes us kind of regard this as a fairy tale or something because we don't have lion's dens in the United States. But this is the real thing. This is a serious story. And the title of our message tonight is, Is Your God Able? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the life of this man, Daniel. But most of all, we thank You that the great God that Darius praised is still our God today. And Lord, help us to trust You. Help us to understand these things so that if we face things like this, we'll take no thought about what we should say or what we should do, but we'll put our full confidence in Thee. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, at our church, we've been praying for Pastor Andy Nisley. You know, I've been asked to pray for him. Brother Nisley and the people of his church up there in Canada, uh, you've probably been reading about the truckers and all that, but Brother Nisley has required by the government as a pastor to check the vaccination passport of every person who attempts to enter his church for service. He's required to do that. I don't think that he does. Scripturally, I don't think that he can do that. You would think that to be faithful to his God, he... Now, if I was in that situation, I might think differently. (laughs) But to be faithful to his God, he can't add a requirement to worship, to worship God that's not scriptural or that invalidates the Word of God. And what they are requiring in Canada is coming to the United States at some point. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In the United States, a survey of 1,016 likely voters uh, said this. A new poll from the Heartland, this is just a few weeks ago, a new poll from the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen Report surveyed 1,016, quote, likely voters, end quote, on January the 5th. An alarming 48% of Democrats, that's almost 50% of Democrats, believe that the government should fine and even imprison anyone who questions the COVID-19 vaccine's efficacy. If you question on social media, TV, radio, or in publications, we should imprison. They believe they should. The government should imprison us. If you even question whether it's uh, efficacious. Meanwhile, only 14% of Republicans and 18% of independent voters say that they should be criminal punishments for criticizing the vaccines. When it comes to um, a small print here. When it comes to COVID-19 policies, nearly half, 47% of Democrats favor 
a government tracking program for anyone who is unvaccinated against COVID. When it comes to COVID policies, nearly half, 47% of Democratic voters, favor a... Um, shoot, I'm reading the same thing. According to the survey, 55% of, of uh, Democrats are in favor of the government fining Americans who do not get the COVID vaccine, compared to just 19% of Republicans. There are 29% of Democrat voters who support removing children out of the custody, custody, custody of unvaccinated parents, while only 7% of Republicans are in favor of this punitive measure. So they think you ought to take, the government ought to take your kids from you if you don't have it. The poll revealed that 59% of likely Democrat voters want the government, to, the government to enact a policy requiring unvaccinated Americans to be confined to their homes at all times except for emergencies. Meanwhile, 79% of Republicans and 71% of unaffiliated voters oppose such severe actions. There are 45% of Democrats who call for the government to round up citizens who are not vaccinated against COVID and force them into, quote-unquote, designated facilities. Among voters who have a very favorable opinion of President Biden, 51% are in favor of putting unvaccinated Americans in designated facilities. The proposal to, reg to require unvaccinated people to be put into special camps is opposed by 71% of all voters and 95% of voters who have a, quote, very unfavorable, end quote, impression of Biden. So those, that was an actual, those were actual uh, survey made. And I don't uh, read these to you to, to scare you. It's only a poll of 1,016 voters. That's why they do polls and they extrapolate or whatever the term is out to the whole population. But here's the thing. Regardless of whether or not uh, the percentages are even close to accurate, it does reveal the way that Americans think. They believe that people that, should, that even question the vaccine ought to be put in prison. What do you think about that? Um, the important thing to me is this poll only verifies the reprobate minds and thinking of sinners in our day. Now, God commands us in Isaiah 49, verse, uh, 41, verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And Paul wrote to Timothy... Timothy, who had seen Paul arrested and beaten and things like that, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And what do you think is the purpose that God had Daniel chapter 6 recorded in the Bible? Well, certainly it's revealed the thinking of sinners and to build our faith and to prepare us to respond like Daniel, to respond like his friends did and others, you know, of God's people in past time. And I believe that this passage teaches us that no matter how powerful 
the enemies of God's people are, God's children, if we in faith completely commit ourselves to God and to do His will, He will mightily deliver and reward us. And so I want to look at three things. First of all, the overwhelming opposition. Secondly, the overcoming outcome. And thirdly, the obvious option. Let's look at the first one, the overwhelming opposition. We have here in against Daniel the most powerful people in the world. In verse 4 it says, Then the presence and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So these men were presidents spread into different areas all over this kingdom. 120 that were princes who would have had absolute authority to do whatever they wanted to or what they thought was right. And here they are (laughs) joining together to find something against Daniel. Now, I, I always marveled that a guy like President Trump could not have been put in jail. <laughs> Surely you can't find something against a guy like that. And they tried for four years, repeatedly, constantly. But they never were able to do that. And uh, here they're, they're trying to do that for Daniel. But it's a much, much larger uh, kingdom than the United States. And what do you do? How you think about now, today, with all the electronic surveillance and Howard and I were just talking for the service about, you know, my, I, I take my phone out and it sees my face and it opens for me. That means it's on all the time observing me. You think about that. It's listening to me. It's watching me. And... They have all kind of access. Some of you probably drive a car. That if you were trying to escape from law enforcement, they could cut your car off. If they got something like OnStar or something like that, they can they can just cut your car off. And that's only the beginning of the control that they have. And these people were extremely powerful and What a position to be in. I notice, secondly, they outlawed true religion in verse 5. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And in verse 10 and 11, that we see that all he was doing was in his own house, getting on his own knees, you know, I doubt if anybody could heard him pray unless they were coming there just looking for it like they were. But, you know, if they make it against the law to do something that's just a part of our religion, like praying or singing or meeting or whatever it is, what choice do we have? Third, we see the enlistment of our friends. In verse 6, they go to uh, King Darius 
who is really likes Daniel. Now you think this, he, is, he has put Daniel in place from the kingdom that he just conquered and destroyed, the Babylonian kingdom. And yet, how do you go from one kingdom being one of the highest guys in the highest office and then go right to the very top, number two in the kingdom, after you know, the kingdom you're a part of just is destroyed? And here he was, if he'd have realized that they were trying to get a, uh, something against Daniel, he would have never agreed to it. I mean, he said, this guy... <laughs> This guy's the smartest guy I got. He's loyal. I mean, this is this guy's the best. I'm just going to be a figurehead. I'm going to let him run the whole kingdom for me. But I can assure you this: your friends are going to turn against you. They did that in Nazi Germany. They had people tell on each other, and that gets to be a pretty frightening thing. They have the criminalizing of our piety in verse 7. All the presence of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And then verse 13. They answered and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king. They thought that would turn Darius against Daniel, but it didn't. He says, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. You know, they also, there was the perverting of a good man's integrity. In verse 12 and, you know, following down to verse 17, here this uh, guy, Darius, must have been a fairly decent guy. Uh, Daniel's, you know, an absolute stickler on keeping the dietary laws. He's, he risked his own life to keep the dietary laws in chapter 1. And everything that he did was done excellency in, in line with the law of God. And so they trap this man again that Howard's talking about this some today but you know they set this man up and manipulated him he made this he was really unthinking he should have recognized what they were trying to do but they turned <laughs> Darius against the the best man in his kingdom And then there was the afflicting, inflicting of an inescapable punishment. There in verse, at the end of verse 7, it says, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 12 says it again. It's a, it's a law that changeth not and shall be cast in the middle of the O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. In verses 15 to 17. I mean, they, they drop him down there, and those lions hadn't had anything to eat in a long time, no doubt. They were prepared for this. Um, man, an inescapable punishment. Overwhelming opposition. And again, today, there's, 
so many ways. You know, you, you've noticed the change in ads probably in surfing the Internet. If you look at cars tomorrow, you're going to have all these ads about cars on the sites that you go to because they're tracking everything that you do. They got satellites, you know, out, out in outer space miles away that can track what you do. And so here we clearly see there is overwhelming opposition to Daniel and his living for the Lord. But the same chapter tells us of over the overcoming outcome. And I included in that or is the exposure of unjust enemies. In verse 4, they were meeting together. They said, we can't find anything against this guy unless it's against his law, the law of his God. And yet in verses 12 and 13, they make this, so they make this rule uh, against Daniel uh, that we've looked at. It's an unchanging law. But these guys come out openly against Daniel. So before, while Daniel was ruling the king and Mary thing, he didn't know who these people were. But now they've come out and taken a stand against him. They've gone to King Darius and so forth, so they've exposed who they were. Verse 16 says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions, and so forth. Um, verse 19 to 23, though, things change. And they get Daniel out of the lion's den, and not, I don't, I see Daniel was a eunuch, I believe, so he didn't have a wife and children. But not only these guys, but their wives and their children, all of them were rounded up because they made themselves known by this decree and they were cast into the lion's den. And in doing this and taking this stand against Daniel, maybe they thought that because they, they made the law, they can only pray to King Darius, maybe they thought that uh, Darius would turn against Daniel. But all it did was make him much, much more loyal to Daniel. Now, he went along with the law, but um, <laughs> it didn't take that guy long to throw all those enemies, all of Daniel's enemies, in the lion's den. He was against them. I don't know what kind of position they were, what kind of relationship they had with them before, but he killed all of them in support of Daniel. Uh, we see the, the complete annihilation of our enemies there in verse 24. The king commanded, and they brought those men which, they had, which had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the den of lions, them, their, their children, their wives. The lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Now, you know, one of the real difficulties of Trump's presidency is that he didn't know who his enemies were. He had people working right there with him, maybe even his assistants, people that were against him, Republicans. And I don't know what percentage of the Republicans in the House and the Senate, but there were a lot of them that were against him. But in his own cabinet... 
And over a period of time, he had to keep firing people and so forth. But here Daniel found out who his enemies were, and every one of them were annihilated. They were cast in the den of lions. And they didn't have any sons or daughters or wives or anybody that were going to go against Daniel anymore. They were all wiped out. We see the powerful testimony to and exaltation of our God to needy sinners. This is a pagan kingdom. Covered, you know, a massive amount of land space and peoples all over the earth. But in verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, Men, shall, uh, men tremble and fear before the Lord, the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, and who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You know, we don't live like this in a country like this, but in previous years... We've been studying in church history in her church history class. You became the king, you determined what religion was. You didn't have a choice. I mean the people didn't have a choice. Uh, and looking at the Reformation. And England broke from the Roman Catholic Church. Why? So the king could have his own religion. So they started Anglicanism. It was a they said it was a reform, but all it was was, uh, was it Henry, Henry VIII? He just wanted the power to be able to tell the people what, you know, what they were going to do, how they were going to worship and all that. And here's Darius who's saying, you're going to worship the true God. Now, you know, if somebody's forced against their will to worship somebody, <laughs> that doesn't work. But what happened here is that people who didn't know anything about Jehovah started hearing the Word of God, the Old Testament, and they were introduced to true religion. It wasn't the best way, but, you know... It's like at least an opportunity to hear the gospel. And then lastly, there was the long-term empowerment of the work and testimony of God's man. Verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So he went from a situation where he was number two, actually he was one at B, in all the world in power, but he's got enemies, people that oppose him all over the government to a place where he is in the same position politically and powerfully and his enemies have been wiped out. And anybody that thought they might be against Daniel, they're not going to do anything now. And so we have, a, we have this overwhelming opposition I mean, how could you ever escape it? But we have an overcoming outcome where everything is completely 180 degree changed. And without the opposition, 
they never would have had this overcoming outcome. And so what is the obvious option? When we think about this thing, you know, we've got all these things that are changing in our country. We see it changing in uh, the United States, number two, sort of. We think of Canada, you know, as being like us and all that. We see things happening up there that are, you know, it's just, it's dangerous. What should we do? Well, number one, we should live a spirit-filled life. In verse 3 here, it says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presence and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So all these men were against Daniel simply because that was the only way they'd get him. But everybody knew, who knew Daniel, that he had an excellent spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God worked in, in, through, in him. Even though he was not a prophet, he's just a government employee. Right, Howard? <laughs> and so he could be Howard Hoyle. He could be anybody in our government system who's living for God and who is spirit-filled. That's an option that all of us have. In Galatians 5, we're told, This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So we have in the Old Testament times when the Spirit of God came upon different individuals. But in the New Testament, every child of God possesses the Holy Spirit, and we need to let Him possess us. In Ephesians 5, it says, "For um, And be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another, in the fear, not of the government, but of God. Why wouldn't we do that? You know, I, I remember thinking not too long after I was saved, and I didn't know much about Christianity, but I did read the Bible, and uh, it says that, you know, what I read at the start, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I thought, how am I going to, How you know, what if I deny the Lord when persecution comes? And I realized the only way I could guarantee that I wouldn't do that was to live for the Lord now. If you're not, if you're living carelessly for the Lord, you're not walking under the power of the Holy Spirit, why would you think when things get hard, 
that you would start doing that. So one of the obvious option is to live a spirit-filled life. The second obvious option is the commitment to holiness and integrity. In verse 4, this is what Daniel did. Then the, prince, the presence and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the king, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. If he'd had a computer, they could go on the computer and couldn't find anything against him. Because he was obeying 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is so holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We've already had testimony from the beginning of this book that Daniel was that kind of man. He just did what the Bible said. He wanted to be holy like God was. And that's what he was. There was, and a lot of these obviously overlap, but adherence to the teaching of the Word of God. Verse 5 says, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. If we can make a law against some part of the Word of God, we've got him because he's, he's going to obey it. He's not going to violate it. You know, Jesus said, when he was tempted of the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I mean, do we live that way? So many people who profess to know the Lord live by parts or maybe what they call fundamental doctrines, but there's other parts they disregard. It's not important how you baptize. It's not important what position on future events that you have and so forth. That's not the way Daniel was. He said, if the Word of God says it, that that settles it for me. We need to live that way. We see the option that he took was the maintenance of spiritual disciplines. Verse 10 and 11. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Listen, there's no way they could miss him. He did this every day, regularly, three times a day, he prayed. How regularly do you have daily devotions? How regularly do you pray? Do, Do people in your own household, find you praying? If you're married, does your spouse know that every day at a certain time you're going to spend time in the Word of God? If our own families don't know that, you know... 
spiritual disciplines are what keep us on the path with the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote to Timothy in verse 8 and 9 and said, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. The maintenance of spiritual discipline, that's an obvious option that we ought to take advantage of. The public testimony of God's greatness and trans, uh, trustworthiness, verse 21 and 22. It says, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Now look, now think about this. He's been put in the lion's den. He's survived one night, and the king comes to check on him, and all he can do is talk about God. Verse 22. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. He is putting the lion's den for talking privately, but he never did even stop talking publicly about his God. Only an idiot would do that. Or somebody who actually believed that there is omnipotent, righteous, truthful God. That's the only person who would do something like that. Somebody that actually believes that God is in control. Otherwise, why would you alert everybody to your fact that you're breaking the law? And then, well, test of public testimony, Psalm 86, verse 12. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. You remember when, when Paul was arrested? He's in the Philippian jail. He and it was Silas at that point. That's chapter 16. Yeah, that was, that was Silas. Been beaten already. Their legs and their arms are in stocks. It's a stinking place. And, you know, I, I'm just assuming that Paul probably didn't have the best voice, you know. And they start singing psalms and hymns. They're trying to aggravate the jailer. Praising the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You know, really, I, I think if you're saved, this way, you know, I find myself out talking with uh, lost people and they say something I agree with and I say amen. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Praise the Lord. You know, it's just part of our speech. It should be praising the Lord. And really what it all comes down to is the answer of a perfect heart. 
In verse 16, it says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest, what's that word? Continually. He will deliver thee. In verse 19, it says, Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste into the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Now, it's a negative. It's used in a negative way in Second Chronicles 16, 9. But this is one of the greatest, one of my favorite passages. It says, For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. That's, that's pretty comprehensive surveillance more than your phone, more than a satellite, more than all the people on the earth. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth for this purpose, to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. God is looking for people who will keep their hearts right, who keep sins confessed, who make it their great purpose every day to do what God commands them to do. God is looking for people like that for one reason. He wants to show Himself strong on their behalf. And if God was looking at Rollsville, I'm just going to assume everybody lives in Rollsville. I know that's not true, but if God was looking for people in Rollsville whose heart were perfect, just right with Him, would your name be on that list? That's a list I want to be on. And I'm pretty confident that's a reflexive verb, show himself. It actually says he will make himself strong. He'll be strong for people like that whose hearts are perfect. They're right with him. These are the options that we have. We have all these options. And, you know, I I know it says we'll suffer persecution, but Daniel did too, (laughs) but... God delivered him over and over and over. You know, you think maybe you could get past hungry lines. Maybe they weren't so hungry. I don't know, maybe he had upset stomachs. I don't know. But when you get thrown in a burning, fiery furnace, not just a burning furnace, but a burning, fiery furnace, and these beasts of soldiers, when they threw those guys in, they were killed immediately by the flame. And yet they came out, they didn't even have any hair singed. They didn't even have any smoke on their clothes. And our God is the same today that He was 
yesterday and the day before that. A trillion years ago, He is the same God. Why would we not expect, if our hearts are right with God, and we're living for Him like Daniel's, why would we not expect that He would deliver us the same way? And you think about this. Even if they went into the burning fiery furnace and they died, <laughs> they'd be in heaven immediately. That would be better than being alive still on earth. Immediately receive our reward from the Lord. And there's no question about it. The title of the message was a question, Is your God able? Well, if your God is the God of the Bible, He is. He's able. And we read things in the newspaper and all this kind of th- stuff and the devil kind of gets us fearful and maybe start having a panic attack or... You know, all the things that we do. We can just remember what happened to Daniel. What our God did for a servant of His. We can be one of those people. Let's pray.